Hey, savages. Welcome to the Savages and Scholars. So, today's podcast is the first one of the year with Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve is actually the owner and founder of Hello Autism. But that's not all. He's also a jiu-jitsu player. He's also a pretty good poker player and has an entrepreneurial spirit. I bet you enjoy this podcast. I know I did, and I know everybody else did. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hello, everyone. My name is Meg D, and this is Baby Isaiah. What's up? We're the sponsors of the podcast, and we're just talking about our hit song, Drip. So our hit song, Drip, can you explain a little bit more about it? Yeah, man. So basically, it's a very uh, complicated song where me and Miguel, with the whole concept of the song is we're vampires. And, you know, we're just tired of being out, you know, shunned by society. And it's our kind of way of expressing ourselves to and sticking it to the man. You know, we don't really believe in the status quo. That's right. Whenever I say hoes be tipping, what I really mean is the structural society that has put upon me, upon me is actually tipping I don't no longer want to be part of this. You know, I look in the mirror and I can't see my face. I can't see who I am. What about you, Zaya? Well, whenever I say I'm lit like a fit that you copped at the pop-up, what I really mean to say is that the earth is flat and I'm not with that. Not with that at all. If you want to know more about this, just listen to our hit song, Dripping, by Baby Isaiah and Mig D. Out. All right, the podcast has started. Hello, everybody. My name is Miguel Dominguez, and I am the host host of the Savages and Scholars. And I'll let everybody else introduce themselves. Hey, everybody. It's Anthony. Hi, this is Murray. Hey, I'm Steve Nguyen. Hello, this is Janet. All right, and everybody here is fine. Um, Thank you, everybody, for waiting for the seventh, right? Because it's two weeks without a podcast. And I know that people were thinking, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I, I, I was getting messages. Oh, yeah? I no, bet. I wasn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would have answered them. So if somebody sends me a message, I will answer it. I got a couple of messages when people thought, like, we stopped completely. And they're like, I'm so glad you <laughs> stopped and put me out of my misery. No, oh, I like that they were like being so self masochistic by like, <laughs> downloading it every time and just uh-huh. getting upset. <laughs> I think that's where mo- most of our viewers are coming from. Do you call it viewers, listeners, viewers? Yeah. I don't know. I call I them. I call them bros, especially if they <laughs> if they write a review. I call them. I call them brothers. So <laughs> now you know what to do, right? No, that's cool, man. I'm happy to be here, guys. I don't know why, what we're going to talk about with me, my lonely old stories, but <coughs> hopefully some of it be some fun. Well, I mean, first of all, introduce yourself, Steve. I okay. mean, tell, uh, us, tell, us, tell us who you are in 150 characters or less. Oh, well, that's, that's gonna, a tweet. That's going to be hard. Um, I tend to be verbose, and so under 150 is just not my forte. It'd probably be a 450. That's I, just my style. I think you started pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much me. Um, but if I leave anything about myself, I keep it pretty simple. I just like to enjoy life. I don't take myself too seriously. 
And, you know, it's just it's about enjoying life. And really, for me, it's can I help anybody? Uh, that's I've always been that type of person. If I can help someone in some way, and and I actually, yeah, that's it. Just really, if I can just help someone in some way and move on with life and enjoy that, I did that, and that's it. That's I don't really think there's much more. Like I, something interesting that happened to me recently. That's we passed 150 characters. You I, definitely I did, and we did <laughs> never got a job title or 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 how I don't, long you I don't like doing. a title. I just don't like a title. Um, I think my title in life is helping people. I really think that's it. You know. Right. So your job title is helping people in in whatever way that they need you see fit or whatever way. Well, that's in possible. the past I'd say okay, so I I'm a sports chiropractor, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a sports um I'm a, I'm a um, what is it called? Well, we call it a <laughs> It's funny. Well, there's different names in different states, but I'll just call it a physiotherapist, right? And so I have a doctor in that as well. That's what I did for a while, and I think I put in my time because that's so fun when someone's hurt and you get them better, and it's, it's very gratifying. I think more than anything about that is just honestly, I was just speaking to my sister about it, is my diagnosis is strong and give them the accurate treatment plan. But really, anyone can treat. It's not that big of a deal. It's just being honest and telling them, like, this is really what you need to do and be frank with them, right? But so I did that for a while. Well, I, what's the difference between a normal physical therapist and a sports physical therapist? Right. And so... And a normal person. No, not not really. There's different specialties with PT. Like, you can do physical therapy for uh, people who have, uh, like, other physical ailments, right? Mm-hmm. Not that, That's not sports-related. I did the sports one. That's just the school that I went to. And so I did the sports PT. We focused mainly on just baseball players and football players. That's how I started. I actually started with hockey players, which I knew nothing about hockey. Oh, wow. Um, I, it's funny. I don't talk about this as much anymore because the only people I actually really treat in in this field right now are jiu-jitsu practitioners. That's it. <laughs> uh, that's the truth. I actually sort of walked away. There's probably a handful of people who still want to see me, and so I still see them because I've seen them for a while. But other than that, I've walked away, and my main thing now is my autism clinic, right? And so that's that's probably, if we talk about legacy, there's no legacy, but legacy for my son. If I can do anything, it's that's my mindset that's changed. Is Previously, you know, you save money for your kid so they can go to college, blah, blah, blah. But it's different. When you have a kid on the autism spectrum or, or any other uh, special needs, you're saving for the life after they hit a certain age who's going to watch after them after you die and so that's when I start to think well shit I need to make more money and it sounds really funny but I thought I need to make money not for me I don't care about money like I can eat I can travel I don't need any more money I need money for him so someone have to watch after him and not be burdened and that's the only reason why Elijah was born mm-hmm. my other one he, I wasn't going to have another child uh-huh. so yeah I mean I don't know how I got to that so this is going to have a bunch of tangents. But what, what did you ask me? Oh, wow. <laughs> Your job title. Yeah, my job title. So I have a question because you brought yeah. up um, sports medicine. Are jiu-jitsu people the most injured people oh my beating gosh. out hockey players? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> That's um, not true. So jiu-jitsu, I have to say, this is one of my favorite patients. But I've had some pretty neat patients. I've had mm-hmm. some high prolific. Like some I can mention because – I sign a, they sign an agreement with me that I can talk about them, like Jerry Rice, blah, blah, blah. Like I've, I've oh, wow. treated some pretty big people. Yeah. 
honestly, I hope I hope this professor doesn't listen to this. But one <laughs> professor I know, it's he's the toughest patient. He could uh, be the number one. Oh, he on is the, the absolutely toughest patient. What I've makes ever him had. the toughest? Not patient? not because of anything. One, because I care a lot. I'm with him all the time, so I care. <laughs> I want to do a good job. But he's very, he's so in tune with his body. He's actually more in tune with mo- than most of the NFL players I, I've ever met. Oh, wow. And I'm talking even baseball players like Barry Bonds. And, and I'm throwing out names of pretty big name guys. And but you're not he, throwing out this guy's name. You yeah, because I, I still have to trade with him tomorrow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's one of the toughest because he is so in tune with his body. And but he, but there, we've had, we've made waves in the sense that he's actually listened to me. Like you know how he is, right? right. He knows his stuff. And he knows that's his way or the highway. He f- actually listened to me. Like I told him, if you want me to treat you, I'm putting on my doctor's hat. I'm your doctor. You have to listen to me. I'm not going to treat you. Right. And right, stuff. Yeah. And he actually listens and stuff. And But we put on different hats. Like in the school, I don't try to be impressionable for other people. I just who I am for myself. I call him professor because he earned that respect. I know he's, young, he's younger than me. So the outside, as when we're friends, I do call him Pablo. He asked me to call him Pablo, so I do that. Mm-hmm. But inside the thing, you'll never hear me call him that because he earned that title. You know what I mean? Right. You didn't and call him Sensei? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sensei, that's old school. No, I did martial arts, that's, that's old school stuff. I don't do that. Or Master Moon. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sifu Kim, you know. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know what we're talking about, but but definitely ask me stuff. I mean, there's, my life has changed. Like, I, one there's one thing good about me if i have one thing is i will and a lot of us have this in jiu-jitsu that's what's cool about it i'm meeting a lot of people similar to me is we go 100 percent like what we really love yeah a lot of it's jiu-jitsu right there's other things but that's that's my strength is i'm you wouldn't know it in jiu-jitsu so much but i'm your big i'm a huge competitor um i only switched to jiu-jitsu because i want to compete in something because before that was poker i gave poker 12 years and i went 100 percent I mean, I played poker five days a week. Wow. Oh, I mean. Were you like a professional poker player? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no like semi. I was totally pro. But the hard wow. part is I was already in a position. I still had to work and treat patients. Oh. So it used to be where I would play poker. And um, this has happened all the time. I played poker. Back then it was <laughs> online. So in 2004, 2003, 2004, when I started, I played what, online. What do you mean back then it was online? So online now online is still like there, but not really. Thing. It's really hard to get your money in. You have to use cryptocurrency and all that stuff now. Back then, you put it straight off a credit card, straight from your bank account. I and there was see. this thing called Black Black Tuesday, 2007, where they cut down online poker in the United States. I like that you really? know the yeah. day. Yeah, because it affected <laughs> me. I mean, what did, what did I was they, good. I was ranked. Here's how. Here's my typical day. I would go to work. M- Michelle and I would go to work. Yeah. We'd go home. This is right before Hayden. And uh, I literally would go home and play poker every night from 7 p.m. till I fought, fell asleep. I'd be in so many poker tournaments where I'm first place in chips. I play, I'm a tournament specialist back then, right? So I was first place in chips, and I would just fall asleep. And it's 3 in the morning. I end out in seventh place because my chips ran out because <laughs> I fell asleep. It happened wow. all the time. But I got really good, not because I was so competitive. So we came back to Houston. I nev- I'm not a gambler. You would, th- you would think I am, but I hate gambling. Asians, that's their, like everybody has their thing. Asians suck because they're bad gamblers. They lose their <laughs> money. They, they like Baccarat. They like to go to casinos. So I saw right, that. So crazy story on that, right? Um, 
I went to go get a bon mi one day yeah, yeah. from the Hong Kong food market. And <laughs> as I'm going to the to the bon mi, this is like the Asian section of the town, which is very close to here. Um, I go and I want this bon mi. So I go into this place where it looks like a sports bar. And like no one wanted to help me. It just it looks like they were like they were playing. There was like casino machines. They call eight liners, right? Yeah. And there was like there was like tables where people were playing poker and stuff like that. And I was like, outside it said it was like it said it was like a food thing. Yeah, like <laughs> and, I, and I'm inside and it's like it's filled with smoke. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's straight up. It looked like a scene from that's thriller. straight up what I did for like good. Out of that 12 years, I did that for like eight years. All right. So crazier thing then. Let me tell you about this. I go, I'm there and <laughs> the the owner, I'm guessing, looks at looks at me and then, you know, stares me down. And this owner looks like a thug, honestly. <laughs> and then he barks at someone. And then a guy with a scar on his head, a straight up <laughs> bald dude, scar on his head, looks as tough as you can find a guy. <laughs> You know, and he's just like, you need anything? And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you're exactly, it's like that. I mean, not everybody, right? Uh, but it's like that. I was in that, that whole realm. It's like underground games and stuff like wow. that. We did that for a long time. Now, it didn't start that way. It started, with, I played online, and I got good, and I only got good because of this. I never knew how to play anything, like poker or, or or like gambling. Now blackjack is how I knew how to play because Asians we learn that we literally learn when we're three years old. They they teach you that <laughs> they do With every New Year. State comes around and we teach our three year old. Oh, come play! And then we tell them, okay, that week is over. No more gambling. It's it's really bad, but they have it in their blood. They have all this fun, so they want to go gambling. They can't wait to their certain age. You right? instill it in them at a young yeah, age. Yeah, you do. It, that's how you that, do them with everything. That's, that's the culture that we have. Wow. That's right. That's how they do you with Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, anyway, it started off me coming back to Houston in 2003, and my friends were playing poker for twenty dollars. You know, your typical poker tournament. Yeah. I didn't know how to play, but I felt like. Hey, I'm not a dumb guy, and they're kicking my ass and laughing at me. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And then Michelle and I, we learned together. So that's how she let me play, because we both learned poker together. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us knew how to play. Sometimes I have pocket aces, and they have a flush. And I'm like, I'm not folding aces, because I have no idea when the hand is good and stuff. Right. And I was losing. Forget that. I was so competitive. I read every book I could find. And then three months later, I was beating all of them. And then I went online. I started winning. I won The first year, I won 100 k online. Just pretty, it's just I got really good, really fast. And so, (coughs) after uh, (coughs) how many? I'd say the first eight years, up to 2007. So it was just like five, six years. I was ranked number eight in the world on online. But I only play 7 p.m. to two in the morning. Dude, this is. (laughs) Let let me actually lay out the story that you just told us in in a movie setting, right? So you know, there's this man who's like. Who owns like a hospital, right? <laughs> he works at the hospital saving lives, doing the things that he needs to do to be part of the community. But at night, he has this giant, he like, he's like part of this giant poker <laughs> ring where only the most elite <laughs> of poker players play. They don't even play for money at this point. They're just playing for respect. <laughs> Look at this guy. I mean, it's crazy because, well, the tough thing is because this is the truth, but probably the better part of those five years, mm-hmm. 
we were making like a good amount, like close to what I was making in real life, right? As a, and there's as no a tax. Yeah, and no tax. But yeah, the, lines, play, the, lines were, the lines were getting blurred, bro. Yeah. You don't know what real life is. <laughs> right? Maybe this is, this is who you really that are. Is, IRL is really poker. But for, for really, that's what it was for a while. Because you would go to work and you'd be so tired, you only could see patients. You don't do anything extra. Mm-hmm. Right? But what happened in 2007 when Black Tuesday came, I was losing this six-figure salary that I was right. making. I had to learn how to play. So I learned how to play cash game. I was horrible. And I learned how to play. And that's when those underground games came, you know. And so that's how it was. People don't care about underground games here. No one ever played whoever got arrested. The cops only care about the owners if they have illegal other activity. Mm. But in terms of poker, they no one, no cops ever care. In fact, HPD were typically there, monitoring and security guards. Really? And yeah. So it was it was never like that. Yeah. But we did it for a long time, and we dealt with some. I met some quality people. <coughs> but there's a lot of shady people I met. Can imagine. Yeah, so you meet that stuff, and I. So it started off. I don't want to go too Wait much. a minute. Are you saying that you meet friends and foes? <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Did of Did you bad have people. a best friend, like a guy that would just come in with you, like? So I know, met. Like, I met this guy. You know, you said master Sifu. Mm-hmm. I met this guy. His name is Louis Sifu. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah, Was his name Sifu means master. Yes. And he's Chinese. But this Chinese guy's not anybody. He's he got a, his he has a PhD from MIT in mathematics. Wow! Dang. So he's he's very bright and oh, he's man. a multimillionaire. He's worth like Dude. we don't know how much it's worth, but I think he's worth. People said four hundred million. I think he's worth two hundred million. That's still a lot of money. He's a poker <laughs> guy. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's just he's a two hundred like, million like, uh, difference. A couple more million <laughs> worth more than me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Me too. Just a little whatever. bit. But that's that was him. We we run into people like that. So was, and then this was your friend. This was actually my mentor later on. Oh, so I learned dude. stuff from him. And um, Sifu, this guy is the worst poker player ever. What? You would you would what? Think, right? So no. For, what was he a Sifu? Right. So you would, and that's 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 the dichotomy between the two. It's just weird. How how can he be so good at math and so bad at poker? Is he believed in math so much, and he believed in honesty so much? That he would never lie on his car. So you, how are you going to win? Was he bets? You know he has the car. You just fold. He refused to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, see, uh, this is not real he life. Had no, he had no poker face. He had no poker it. face. Like you know when he had it, and you know when he didn't. Wow. So I'm oh, trying to help man. him. Like, see, you got to bluff sometimes. Everybody's going to believe you because you never bluff. But when he bluffs, he like quivers because he can't help <laughs> it. He can't not. He he just can't lie. And so that he's is, the worst poker player. That is so funny. Yeah. Because the worst poker player. But with the greatest mind is combined with the best salesman. <laughs> and together, they are the unbeatable team. Well, so what a movie! I mean, Sifu. Okay, so I had I didn't really have much money. Money comes and goes when you do that, right? Mm-hmm. And having a kid, that was now I met him when I started having uh, games at my house. When we had games at our house. It wasn't it wasn't about making money or anything like that for for the game. It was more like we want to play poker. Let's get a bunch of friends together and play. That's all it was. So we would get together and play. That's how it started. We didn't take any extra money. And then we're like, hey, let's upscale. Let's get a dealer. So we get a dealer. And so the dealer, we start tipping them. So like, hey, it's all split money and pay the dealer. And then it starts to be, hey, let's have food. Let's have drinks. So that's how it started. So I would host. Well, I didn't host. Someone else would host first. Mm-hmm. And then so you would tip them money. And then at you the end of the day. The host so you, you, so basically you tip the dealer 
but the dealer only gets a, per, a certain percentage. So the host at the end of the night makes about two to three thousand bucks. It's a lot of money Jeez. every night, right? Um, but then you would go to another host. So then you start to figure out, okay, we're just gonna rotate. No one's really gonna lose money because you give money him, you give money him, then they give money back to you. So you're like, it all evens out. Right. You it all stays saying? within the. Yeah, like if you win a thousand dollar hand, you tip fifty bucks. It's a lot of money, but it adds up at the end of the night. You know, but it all evens out. That's how it started. But wow. what started to happen is we started to not really want to beat each other. And friends heard about the game. They started coming in. Go, hey, can you bring my friend? Can I bring my friend? And then they started bringing shady people. Oh. That's how it started. Then we're like, well, we don't want the, our house with our kids. Of course. So then we started renting a place. And so we rented what? a place. Yeah. That's Dude, what this we did. Is getting crazy. Did you rent the crazy. Hong Kong food market? So we you did. <laughs> no, but we area. did. Nine eight eight nine Bel Air, one of the top places we rented wow. the, the. So we rented that. So that's how it started, and it was never illegal. We never. It was all of our friends and acquaintances. Right. But our the Asians and the Indians are crazy. They're yeah. they're, they're crazy gamblers, and so they those are the action games. That's how it started. So money will fly around everything, and we don't. Here's the the negative part. We don't like to have. We don't want to get robbed, so we would never tell people to bring money. So it was always on a marker. So it's basically, hey, we trust you. We don't trust your friend, but if you want to bring your friend, you gotta vouch for your friend. Mm. So if he loses a thousand, it's on you. You gotta pay for it. If yeah. It so that's how it started. Was there? How was it? Was it always just everybody always paid, or was there any way no. it was enforced? Absolutely no. It was never enforced. That's how it. That's how. No it, one ever paid, so there was always like a marker. You have to win twice. Yeah. That's what we say. We say. You have to beat them twice. First, you gotta beat them. Then you gotta beat them by collecting. <laughs> so, and the other saying is, you you all you can win, um, but they're always gonna pay until the last time. That's the other saying. So they may pay a thousand, they may pay another thousand. And one night they lose five, they'll they'll run. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you have to deal with, you know. So you make you do make more tip and stuff. So you have to offset that. You understand that you make this extra money in tip, but you're probably gonna lose thirty percent of the money. Because people aren't going to pay, right. so that's what we did for a while, um, and, and, then, and that's and Houston's underground game. I know all about it. I know all the owners of all the poker houses. I mean, I know them all. Um, the biggest one that's running now makes about four or five million a year. I know them all. I know how they talk, how they got the license, how they got it retracted, how they got busted, everything. Bro, they're gonna yeah. shoot you like they did Tupac. So, so are you completely? <laughs> are, you com- <laughs> are you completely out of that so game now? Great question. I completely walked away. So that's the thing is, okay. is my life is pretty, pure, it's crazy. We, Did I do, you fake your death? Right, no, I mean, it's, so here's the thing. Getting out was tough as shit because it really was because um, I walked away from big money because I basically, I was gaining weight. We smoke all the time. Uh, we drink all the time. I'm like, this lifestyle sucks. Mm-hmm. I literally, in 2014, that's when my son was had autism. He already had it, but I, I started to find out all the places suck. I'm like, well, shit. Forget it. I'm gonna have my own place for him, not as a business. Just hire it for my own house to have him, um, and then everybody wanted to come to my house, and that's how autism started. My clinic started. Right. And how that's and the name of your clinic is. Yeah. So so more of what I should be talking about. <laughs> right. This is more this of a passion. Right? Ring but but <laughs> hello autism, and I like that because hello autism, because if it's on a a uh, Vietnamese TV channel. Uh, uh, because my friend owns that channel. He let me put it on for free, right? Cause, mm-hmm. But that's how we started. And hell, it says, hello, autism. Hello, life. Because we embrace autism. We don't hide from it. Right. And that's and 
and not just all communities, but especially the Asian community, they're like, oh, shit, we did something wrong to our kid. We don't want to feel banished and stuff, and so we're going to hide, and we're going to kind of hide our kids. I'm like, no, man. Th- no, you didn't do anything wrong with God. They didn't do anything to you. It's just deal with it. Give them the best opportunity they can when they're young. So so that's kind of what we did. We embraced it, and then we just kind of grew. That's and, beautiful. And that's pretty much my main thing now. Um, that's all I do. Uh, I walked away from poker because of my son. And the beauty is this is God, see, so there are certain things I, I will take credit for of that I won't run from stuff. That's one thing I'm good at. I would never run. My son had the problem. Like, how the hell do I fucking fix it? So that's kind of what I did. It's not like, okay, let's give him something better. I hired my own um, speech therapist, my own occupational therapist, my own ABA therapist, come to the house for my son and another child. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. We're just going to hire it, and then we're going to try to get it reimbursed by insurance. Mm-hmm. And we did it because we have an insurance company. We figured it out. We did it. Within 72 days, we had eight kids, like, starting at my house and stuff like that. Wow. So three less than three months. Seven years, right? Yeah, right. How does that happen? It's just word it out. So word by mouth. It is a small community. They they know the quality isn't there. Mm -hmm. And so they they hear like, oh, this this physician guy is gonna walk away from his thing and just spend all his time and do this and help us. We better jump on it. And that's the truth. I'm not I'm not humble there because I honestly was completely altruistically helping. I probably worked, when I did poker, I probably worked 75 to 85 hours a week. Now, granted, 30 hours or 40 hours of playing poker, so it's kind of fun, but, <laughs> but it's not fun. If you play once a week, it's fun. When you force to play, it's a job. It sucks. It really does. And then I was actually really good at it. So if I played, I had to purposely lose. I actually have to not let someone lose too bad because they're going to hate me and not come to my place. So I kind of like, you know what? <laughs> you have to go easy on them. So, so I have to do that. So there's a lot of you know what You know stuff. what that doesn't happen in? At the gym. <laughs> that does not happen. That does not happen at the gym. <laughs> Depends where you go. Yeah. I, I mean, true. some people do it, right? <laughs> I some guess. people do yeah. it. But I that's what's know. so pure. About, well, that's the beauty of what I found. You know, this there's, always, there's always this thing, though, about, like, about how there's gatekeepers of any sort. Right? And then, like, in the, in the gym, there's a gatekeeper, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure I was a bouncer at one point. Do you uh do you feel cuz it seems like when it comes to like poker or gambling or anything and even I've noticed in a lot of people who do jiu-jitsu as well, do you feel like you maybe have like sort of like an addictive type of personality? Great question. So, overall, I actually don't. Okay. I, I it's not even feel like I actually don't. Um I do well, that's not true. I guess <laughs> I guess Steve is addicted to words. Yeah. I guess that's sort of true. But it is how you put it. Like, is someone um, persistent or are they stubborn, right? Mm -hmm. So it's how you put it, right? Right. I think I'm addicted in the sense that I I refuse to lose. Right. Right? Like, I have to get good. In that sense, if that's addiction, then yes. I just won't lose. Um, I don't care about winning that much, but I hate losing. Right. You know? Um, And and I I like, I'm a gamesmanship. I like to win at games. It just happens to be jujitsu now. You know, I'm the worst at all, yeah. You know? But but the, the point is, I'm I'm comfortable where I'm at for for the amount of time I put in, right. you know. And are you, and are you saying that you're worse than Janet? Maybe I have Janet, <laughs> but I don't know. She might have learned Janet, a lot from you. you think he can take <laughs> you in jujitsu? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's probably the thing I've learned the most though. Is I didn't I never knew this. I had a lot of growing up too. It's you never stop learning, and that's what I'm proud about. Is I always I'm always learning. It's I never knew humble was a trait. 
I honestly never knew that. My dad never taught me that. I was fucking cocky as a motherfucker. Wow. And I was super confident because my parents never, my dad never said, be humble. He's like, you're, you're a small guy. You're a bulldog. Be confident. So I was super confident. But I never knew that overconfidence sucks. And that's how I was. So I'm like, why do some people don't like me? <laughs> I, I really did. I'm like, why don't they like me? I'm like, I'm nice to everybody. I'm just, you know, I'm just confident about what I am. Like, that's a good thing, right? Then I start to, see, then I started to see, I don't like that person. They think they're so fucking good. I hate them. I'm like, well, shit, that's like me. Mm. And so I had to learn to be humble. And that's just probably the last five years in poker. Oh my really? god, I'm a total asshole at poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, people, half the people know that I'm. It's my kind of like I'm acting as that. That's not really my real trait because I'm actually a really nice guy, maybe. But, <laughs> but. But in poker, yeah, Michelle, she knows I can play. I'll, I'll ask her which way you want me to play. She goes, be asshole today. I'm a total <laughs> asshole. Because I like to get in their head. I get in their head, I got a little extra 15% advantage. That 50% advantage makes a difference. They play different. They can't think straight. And, I, and I, I'm the same because I'm purposely, it's just a game to me. And so I'm that way. You know, and Some people don't know. Half the people in the poker, they hate me. They really hate me because I'm, I'm an asshole. I don't you know? ever want to play poker yeah. with but you. Yeah. 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 At, first, at first, I was in. And then now I'm out. But I can choose to be nice. Now, I've learned that it's just for fun now, so I'm nice to pretty much everybody in poker. Okay. Yeah. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what he's doing to just lure us in. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was very you know, interested when he was talking about how much money he was making out of it. I was like, oh, maybe I should learn how to no, play poker. No, poker's No, look at that. Look you at don't that. want to get a poker. You just, <laughs> but you know, poker, you, you guys are good enough to get good. Because jujitsu, I just believe in so much of my jujitsu teammates. I really do. It's just we're it's like the same fiber. A lot of us are. Like we have that personality we can get good at. Um, but I'll tell you, ninety percent of the people lose at poker. Because winning poker isn't skill. You think it's skill. It's not skill. The most important thing about poker is what you touch upon. It's the addictive personality. It's not having that. And the second thing is actually money management. Because they're guys who we swing for, they swing for home runs. Mm -hmm. Like they have this amount of money, and they're always going for this stake. Well, if they just have one or two bad sessions, it's over. They're just swinging for the fences, right? If you play, like if you can lose five thousand, you only have ten thousand bucks, and a big loss is five thousand. You can't be playing that stake. If you only have ten thousand, you gotta be playing stake that you only can lose one thousand, one thousand, you know, stuff like that. And so they string for the fences. All right. So yeah. want to go back to the hello autism yes. part? Good job. <laughs> not saying that I, this is not interesting, but I was I was just looking at my notes of questions that I did want to ask you, yeah. and um, <clears throat> so this to start off with this idea, right? Where you're like, you just said it just so happens that your friends came over who who also had, you know, I guess you you knew other parents that had uh, kids right. with autism, and they came to you, and then uh, how do you make that into a business? All right, later? so that's. That's actually something that can help out in terms of starting something. In the sense of, it was scary as shit. I'm 40-something years old. Th that wasn't scary yet because I was just doing it just to help out other parents. But when I decided to actually, I sold my practice for this a lot. This is your so, poker so, practice. No, no. No, poker is done. <laughs> right? yeah. so, so, yeah. so 2015, I walked away from poker. I said, okay, these kids in this family need something. So here's what preempted it. They're getting the care. I was teaching them how to bill because we're all paying everybody. Mm -hmm. But no one got reimbursement. So this was expensive. We were literally paying 50000 60000 a year to these each one of us parents. Wow. Right? The good thing is insurance covers all that. But 
if you don't know how to get reimbursement, you're paying fifty, sixty thousand. How the hell are you gonna afford fifty thousand with one kid for care, right? So every one of them, not one or two or half, one hundred percent of them did it wrong. So I'm spending the time helping them recoup their money. So now that's where I was at. Thanks for keeping me on track. So that's where I was spending 75, 80 hours or whatever at poker before. Now I'm back to spending 75, 80 hours where 40 hours I'm spending at my you know, chiropractic office and 40 hours for free just helping out parents work on everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not sleeping. I'm so tired. I'm, I can't do anything. you know. And so I said, look, the quality is there. They're not getting reimbursed. So now they're on me. They don't know what to do. I'm trying to help them. But, so I need to really help them. And number two, I need to have a facility that's not an old bedroom, a master bedroom, a closet, you know, whatever. <laughs> we use this big closet as a room even once, right? And so so that's when I, I sold my practice. It was scary because I was in that practice at that time for 12 and a half years. Mm. Michelle sold her, the, the chiropractic office. We had a downtown clinic. We were there for six years. We have my main one. Ever since I moved back to Houston and opened it up, it's been there ever since. It was successful. I sold both. It was scary because we're like, oh, right. shit. So you mentioned some names earlier. Yeah. And I don't know who those guys are, but I'm assuming they're impressive enough to be mentioned. But The, the sports athletes? Yes. Yeah. Um, that being said, did you have anybody here in Houston? For the chiropractic office? So, yes. So there are definitely some things that Michelle and I did right that that the younger guys, like even you guys can learn from maybe. It's I had, when I have a purpose – I set for that goal and I go for it. Yeah, that sounds blah blah blah. But but I actually put pen to paper and I wrote it down. I had a mission statement and I did it. And so when I hit chiropractic school, here's the thing. My grades were easy. School was easy. I had good grades. I should have, I probably should have been a medical doctor because I probably could have reached more people because there's a little connotation with chiropractic. You know, this and that. There's there's a positive. There's a negative too. But it's what I chose and I'm fine with it. Uh, but but in that. When I went to chiropractic school, I said, fuck that. I'm definitely going to be one of the smarter ones there. So what am I going to do? I'm going to succeed. How am I going to succeed? The very first semester, I went and worked for somebody. The very first semester, Michelle worked for somebody. When we graduated in the four years we were there, like med school, we worked for 12 different doctors. I learned everything about it. I learned the good, the bad, what to do, what not to do. So that's kind of the homework you have to do. Like even even now with jujitsu, there's a few people who, who sort of want my help with opening places. But you got to put in the other homework. It doesn't fucking matter about winning worlds. No, yes, it's great to win worlds, great to win euros, all that stuff. But if you want to open up one, you got to know how to market people. You have to know the place. You got to know how to get people in. You have to know, keep the, the cost down. It's just you got to do your homework. You got to see other places, know what's right and wrong. It's, they're not just, you're not just going to open up world. Now, you know, Professor Paulo is different, right? He is a world champion. Not everybody's going to be a world champion at Dope Division. So people come in for that. So that's that's understood. But 95% of the other places aren't going to be that. So you got to have another niche. Be a good teacher. Know how to market. Have an after-school program. You have to know this. And this is not even stuff I know. I learned to know it because I want to help someone. I'm not going to get anything out of it. But like someone asked for help, I'm going to help. Do the best that I can, right? right. Yeah. Um, and so so back to, to uh, the... What would you ask? <laughs> <laughs> and how did I start? So it's a long story, but that's right. how I started. So we sold our practices, and luckily I have a safety net. Michelle is the same profession I am, right? She's yeah. a sports chiropractor. She's also a physiotherapist, right? And so when we open up, even though I walked away, I still have our stability. But we lost a good 40% of our patients. Like 
downtown and where we're at, we moved to the middle. So the people on the edges wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. So we lost them. So it was scary. And I said, fuck it. Let's just go for it, right? And okay. we weren't financially stable. When ne- Here's the cost of autism. Autism, how much does it cost to treat a child with autism? Or Are you asking? Cause I'm asking. Guess. What's the cost for, to treat a child with autism? What would you say? I'll say 80000 a year. Okay. I want to say something like 20000 a year. Okay. Based want, on the government, how much they're going to give you every month in disability. Good numbers. I'm going to say... Um, Ten thousand a year in the Rubik's cube. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, barring the Rubik's cube, is no. The answer is everything you got and more, because you're you're always going to give them more than what you can afford. Sure, if you only if you make a hundred k, you're not going to spend hundred k, but you only might only be able. If you make a hundred k, you might only be able to afford thirty k, because tax is thirty thousand. You only got seventy. You only get four thirty with having forty. But you're gonna you're not going to spend thirty. You're going to spend fifty. Because you want to give them better care. Mm. So for every parent, unless you're a multimillionaire, other than that, it's everything you got and more. What does this pay for? What are you paying for? Yeah. So, so all, for, like, you mean with autism specifically? Yeah. What exactly? Okay. So what right, do we right, do? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does money go to? Yeah. Let's, let's just start off with some good definitions for people who might not have as much right. of, of an understanding of the autism spectrum. Right. Like, at what part of the spectrum can we see UV lights? That's what I want. <laughs> <Good one. laughs> the five thousand range, like you so, so no, but like, like, can you please explain? So the autism spectrum? spectrum. There's actually a misnomer. I'm not gonna say, use the misnomer because people will misunderstand it. But autism spectrum. What people think autism spectrum is. There's a high functioning and there's low functioning, and there's something in the middle. So that's autism spectrum, right? Uh, that's actually not what autism spectrum means. There's a spectrum, and then there's people not on autism. That's included in the autism spectrum. But that's not what people are referring to when they say that, so I'm not going to say it that way. So autism spectrum is the high range, the middle range, you know, the people who can speak and the people who are nonverbal, right? Mm-hmm. That's autism. What do we do? So evidence-based care for, for most of the kids who are nonverbal or mildly verbal is actually ABA therapy. It's there for applied behavioral analysis. So the reason why that costs so much in addition to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and traditional stuff that you've heard of, is because that's one-on-one. Because here's this classic setting. My sister, just things fell in my lap. I, I swear God brought, I'm not anyone special. It's just he brought me back to this to say this is where you need to help. And I firmly believe that, and so that's what I'm going to try to do. My sister has a master's in special education. She did this for 20-something years, right? She's a part of our team. So here's the problem in the education system for kids in special needs. It's, it is not their fault it's you have 15 kids one special needs teacher and one assistant there's no way they can handle those 15 kids of all special different needs and not just autism down syndrome cerebral palsy all all stuff they just can't handle and they're the best teachers but they don't have the resources and so that's where we're we're just fighting that so i can beat that so i give one-on-one you can have one kid one teacher and insurance covers that. So it's very easy for me to give that. So that's what we give. So insurance now they can catch does up, cover it. covers it fully. Dang. But you have to get the right insurance. So I, I help educate parents. I I am probably the best center to ever go to because I have like six parents that I lost. It, this just doesn't happen anywhere else. I lost probably, it cost like 60000 I lost 60000 bucks to treat them. I paid 60000 to treat their kid. 
because I never got reimbursed the whole year, and I didn't even give a shit. Because I never did it for that. Because other ones, I make some, and I'm okay with it. And that's just how I always did it. They just couldn't believe it. Because the typical place, and they're doing it right, is yours, the insurance is going to cover it, but ultimately, you're responsible. That's what everybody signs in the medical field, right? You're, you're responsible, even if you go to the hospital, right? Yeah. Yes, your insurance may cover it, but you're ultimately responsible. After one month, and they say it doesn't cover they would tell the parent right then and there, hey, but it doesn't cover. you got to pay for out-of-pocket or you're out temporarily. I just never did that. Um, it's just it's just not my style. I didn't do this for the money. Now, granted, I'm not going to work it for free. I never claimed to work for free because I'm not going from doctor salary to working pro bono. You know, so I do have to make some income. But it was never out of my mission statement of the seven most important things. It's number six. Business is number six on that. You know, one one and one B. It wasn't even two. It's the kids. I treat the kids like they're mine. And number two is the parents because I understand what the parents need. What what's Because I'm a parent, which I'm autism spectrum. And then right behind that is my team. And in every sense of the word, it's my team. I don't mean my staff, but I just call them team. Like, we, we do a lot for our team. So those are the seven things, right? I don't know what you sort of asked me, but something along that line. Right? Oh. <laughs> He's just answering all kinds of questions. Yes. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, I'm blessed. Right. So the actual question was, yeah. so that you don't run away from it, was what does the actual spectrum actually mean? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so in kind of answering it, and you know some of it, right? Because you're your brother, bit. right? It's, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a range. And so... Uh, what is autism is a different question, but but uh, what is the autism spectrum? This is a range: high functioning, low functioning. Okay. Now, so there's the thing is a lot of people don't understand. They're like, oh my god, your kid's probably really gifted or something. No, that's like one percent, if one percent, right? Most of the kids who have autism, they're behind. Here's the thing: people don't know they have a they have a hundred IQ, meaning they have the full range to be anything. But when you're behind. And communicating, like if I can't speak with you, I'm just saying gibberish, and I can't say what I want. How are we gonna communicate with each other? So that's the problem they have. Yeah. Most of them can't communicate at age two, three, four, and they're behind, and then they get embarrassed, and then they get the connotation of, oh, they don't want to hang with people. That's not true. So I've met many kids who have autism who do want to. Now that they can speak and they they flourish, they're like we've always wanted to be around people. But can you imagine how frustrating it is where? I want to tell you something. You just don't get it, and you're just like, forget it. You, so you just sort of like, it's just too hard to explain because I can't speak the way I want to. So yeah. then oh, yeah. you just deal the with language, yourself. The language barrier is like, it's similar as if you wanted to speak to someone speaking a different language. Absolutely. Right? So it would a, a good comparison would be like getting stuck in a planet where like, not only can you not understand any of the languages, they're not even similar. Right. Like the, the language is completely you know and like almost bi- like and in a relatable sense that i tell parents is um or, or it's like think of our parents like uh like not parents but let's say y'all two or, or you guys or my wife and i when do we argue the most it's when she doesn't understand me you know we're we're speaking the same language but it's like you don't understand what I'm saying, or I don't understand her, right? That's when we get the it's most mad. she's wrong and she doesn't yeah. know it, right? Isn't that the worst? <laughs> she just doesn't get it. Yeah. She just so, <laughs> but that's that's when we argue the most, right? Yeah. And that's when we get the most frustrated. Think of a life of that. They deal with that every day. They yeah. can't get what they want to say, and they have so much to say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, frustrating. So that's what, that's what I do. Um, uh, you know, that's what I feel like. 
Um, I, I was wondering the other day because I know I knew I was gonna have you on, so I I was thinking a little bit of questions and things to ask. Yeah. But have you met any savants? So, not that many. See, there's not that many. I've met a couple. All right. Uh, I don't see them anymore because they graduate and they're, they're just in regular school and now they're in college and stuff like that. And so I don't keep track of them because we tend to deal with the problematic, mm-hmm. the kids who have problems because we want to get them out. The whole point of what we do is not to keep them, it's to put them in regular school. So right? do you think it's, uh, is it possible? Has it already been done multi- like one or two times? or Like what's possible? Like how they flourish? And have, and have them go from like... Not being a nonverbal to ver- yes, to like not yes. only verbal but so, also going to so school because that's here's a, the thing. So it's not it's obviously this is not to life. promote hello autism, right? Because there's not going to be autism parents listen to this, right? Is but I tell you like it is, and not even that we have a huge waiting list. So it's no promotion here. It's just absolutely, I have kids. So, uh, when we first opened, we had this parent. It's a tough one. They have two twins. Both have autism, mm-hmm. one severe and one moderate, right? Uh, both twins came to us at the age of 12. Mm-hmm. Two females, already 12, nonverbal. Wow. We're like, wow, I don't know how much we can do, but we're going to give it a shot. Right. Um, we, I'm really proud of our team. Within four months, and this is a 12-year-old. She's been to seven programs or eight. I don't remember how many. She came to us. She called me and started crying. Like, oh no, what's wrong? Are you okay? She was crying like, like the ugly cry, like, <laughs> you know, like like that cry, right? And yeah. and I, I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you okay? So her kids, one was already verbal. So the other one who was nonverbal started speaking, and and so yeah, so we've gotten kids who like that's an extreme one, age twelve, nonverbal to start to speak and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's actually very. It's crazy super cool, and I just started crying. It takes yeah. to actually going back to like normal and then learning the language after that so no it's tough that's um it's very tough that's that's very interesting so does that that means that with your vision you could easily have this be a thing everywhere is this a thing everywhere yeah. or is this just a niche so what i did <laughs> jujitsu is part of the problem um <laughs> i refuse to not do jujitsu because i spend more time jujitsu than my, my the hell of autism right but but yeah, I mean, the first couple years, it actually was doing so well. But I refused to let it grow because I didn't want quality to drop. You know, I didn't right. want, That's I'm not gonna have this place and have quality drop. Of course. And so, so for two years, I wouldn't take clients in. But I also had a balance. All these people heard about us, want to start, and I won't accept them. I feel bad. Mm-hmm. And so there's a balance I have to do. And so I started accepting more. Last year I accepted. We doubled last year because I finally accepted. Cause I, we finally have it the way I want it. So now this year is the year we're going to grow a lot. So I'm actually going to work this year. Work more, right? Um, Good. 2020. New year, I'm new gonna work. I'm going to put in like 20 hours a week. That was one of your resolutions? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put at least 20 hours at their business yeah. that I have. But it's, yeah, it's just, I just want to help parents out. And so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, I have a new game. And so for me, there's two things. Jiu-Jitsu, the funnest game I have. The other game is actually a game of business. So now I actually want to do well in business. And so I'm trying to learn as much business as I can. I don't know anything about it. Like, I think we make good decisions, but we make decisions as a layman. Like, I don't know what cap rate is. I have to learn what cap rate is. I don't know what that is. I'm like, yeah, a higher number sounds good, but I don't know what that I is. I still don't know what that is. <laughs> and I still don't really know to explain yeah. it, but I'm, I'm trying to buy building. Anthony, do you feel out. like those years in uh, in poker helped you as far as money management, business? So money's like management, 
actually what helped me money management was actually in college when my money sucked. I had credit card debt. Mm. I was buying stuff, so I'm like, man, this sucks. Do I really need this stuff? So going the whole, fortunately, it was just 20-something years old, so it wasn't life-threatening, right? But that's when I messed up. Money management, that's where I learned it, right? I'm having poor money management and having bad credit and all that stuff. Um, But poker, I was good at poker because it kind of fits. I didn't even talk about this, but my field was psychology. Before before I wanted to be a sports guy, in fact, I wouldn't be a sports psychologist. So to go to grad school and that, that's that, that we really want to talk about all that. But that's that. And then I'm good at math. So poker kind of fit me well, and I have good money management. So it was just an easy transition. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a question yeah. based on, like, because you, you have gone through, you know, playing poker, having your kids, having your family, but also, like, building all these two businesses. And, like we all know you in a personal level where like we can see how kind hearted and how welcoming you are to everybody. And I just wanted to ask you, and don't take this the wrong way because like my wording is probably bad (laughs) when it comes to this, but do you think you became this way because of your relationship with Michelle, your wife? So definitely. I mean, she through through, we've been in each other for a while. Like she's 44 ish. And um, Ooh. <laughs> both of the girls. Are so, I, <laughs> both of the I probably girls shouldn't have said like, her age, but, uh, but we met. Sorry, Michelle. He, he apologized. The duck but, faced each other. I want to point that out. They both I, did the I duck face I'm, at the same time. <laughs> they were not in approval of you saying somebody's age. I know, right? <laughs> no, um, it's not that big of a deal. No, I mean, no, Michelle. She, we, I mean, that's. Ultimately, I mean, it's, it's clear that everybody knows. We're, she's my power team. Um, she, she's everything. I mean, she's everything. So. That's cute. But, I, like, <laughs> did she actually help you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Michelle. If anything, she's a much better business savvy person than I am. She's, she's the sweet girl that you know and stuff. She's tougher than nails. Um, <laughs> she's, she's tougher than She's tough on me. She's she's really tough. I mean, like if I don't get my shit right, I hear it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but I can tell when she's proud of me when I've done things right. Like there's 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 balances, right? Like I am willing to take a chance and I go for stuff. Uh, I've been I'm honestly one of the luckiest people I know. So a lot of it is just grace of God. I'm just a lucky guy, wow. and so I've been successful. Not, I, I'm not saying because I've done the things right. I'm just fucking lucky, and but that's my mindset. I feel. Like a lucky person, I've always felt everything I do. I got this. I'm lucky. I just, I got this. I just feel I'm charmed, and so having that mindset really helps. I think I'm like, I got this. And that's it, where that's where you got Michelle, who's just like, actually, Steve, you cannot jump out of this bridge. <laughs> you should probably think about this one. Sit this one out. That's that's how she is though. She's but she's my she's stability. Yeah. She's super stable. Um, you know, but there's certain things that I said I just gotta do. And she's afraid, like, the, the autism thing is a big risk for us. We were not, everybody thought we were financially stable. We weren't. We we have this autism, kid with autism, we spent all of our money on him. We were putting him in private school that we couldn't afford. Um, and, I mean, there was one regret I have. This is a total tangent. And my brother's not going to listen to this, so it won't matter. <laughs> He's in Vietnam. I mean, he, he may. You, he may. You know what? You sent him this one, all right? This but, is for you. Uh, yeah, Steve's I bro. love my brother. Now, I have one little brother. And it was a different, it sounds horrible me saying it now, but it wasn't then because half of my family didn't go. So my little brother got married, right, yeah. in Vietnam. So we're, he's born in America, 
but he teaches English, runs a school in Vietnam, that type of stuff. He met not a Vietnamese girl, he met a French girl in Vietnam. She oh, taught ooh. there too. Yeah, Was she's she? beautiful, she's smart. Yeah. And so he met her. I didn't go to their wedding. Um, they got married in France and I didn't go. Honestly, I'm actually gonna tell the truth. It wasn't my fault. It's sort of my mom's fault. And this is the truth. My mom's like my mom's oh, a big way to throw her on Yeah, the I bus. am. It's her <laughs> fault. She she's she's a big she's basically a nun. Who decided, who opted not to be a nun because she got married to my dad. But but <laughs> if she did but if she didn't get married to my dad, she would have been a nun. She wanted to be a nun. That's how uh, devout she is. Right? Um but but anyway, she said, Oh, don't worry. He's gonna get married to the big one in the United States. If you can't go there, it's no big deal. He's told me that's just a small one he's having. That's not true. He never did one in the United States. That was wow. the wedding. I, I so I regret not going to it. I don't know why I got to this point. So why did I bring him up? Uh, you were. I asked you about like how Michelle, if Michelle's the one of the few influences into like you being yeah. so kind-hearted and pushing yeah. you forward to do all these that's things and helping people. No, that's a great question. I don't know how. I still don't know how I got to this part. <laughs> I I don't know either. You know what? Yeah. You know, but you, she is. I don't know. You, you did me, say you that you were me. gonna go off on a tangent. I, that's me. That's just me. Now you know. <laughs> no. I don't know. I was. That's my biggest concern. I'm like, oh shit. How am I gonna get this in one hour and ten minutes? <laughs> we get covered one topic, bro. You, you know, you say you you you're very lucky, but you know, I know you're very humble now, like because that drive you had, like when you were talking about when you were talking about poker, that drive you had to not lose, not to win, but just to not lose. Yeah, I I see that in everything you're talking about. You have that in, in every single thing, because like you said, you gave up your practices. You started this. You were losing money. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you wanted to help people, you didn't want to let those people down. You didn't want to lose in that sense. Like you just Thank wanted you. to keep going. That's that's amazing. And and you know, I, I really do do think that's that's something more that we need in the world. We need more that. people like that. I agree. That is definitely like a cool thing, uh, to, for it to for it to be like a, something that's not a thing. I had never heard of such a thing before, right? Uh, and so like I can't say. Like, I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've, I've even been, I was in the ESL program whenever I was growing up, like within like third and fourth and fifth grade, I believe. No, third and fourth grade. Uh-huh. In fifth grade, they put me in ESL, but I already <laughs> knew English. So <laughs> at this point, they were just basically giving me busy work. Uh-huh. Like I, was just, <laughs> I was doing it and I was just clowning in Spanish, <laughs> but doing my work in English. But <laughs> have, so, you, have you ever thought of? I mean, I would think so, but have you thought about expanding and maybe putting a program like into like into schools or anything? Yeah, and so that's the thing. That that's 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 my next thing is I want to give it to schools to help out more. And so I've here's what I've done. I've done. I mean, I'll tell you a little about it. I mean, we really do cool stuff like speech therapy. Let me tell you how speech therapy works. Speech therapy. What used what Hayden and I used to have to do. I brought him to ABA therapy. He go to school. Um, that ABA therapy from nine to four thirty, whatever, right? Then at four thirty, I pick him up and I take him for speech therapy twice a week. And I take him twice a week for occupational therapy for thirty minute session because that's all insurance covered, right? And when you take him there, you can't explain to them. They're like, "What the fuck? I just went to school all day. I don't want to sit in another class for thirty minutes." So when they get there, the first fifteen minutes they're fidgety, and then after you might get a good fifteen minutes in. I said, "To heck with that." This is what I did. For every one of my kids, I let the speech therapist, I hired a company. I didn't hire them. I let them come to, to my place. I go, look, this is what I'm going to do. You come to my place. You teach our kids 
speech therapy. If they're fidgety, pass them on, go to the next kid. I want them to have a good time. And see, they're already in their comfortable environment at the place. They don't have to get uplifted and go somewhere else. Mm. There's normally a 35 to 40% fee for charging for using for this, your facility because they don't have the facility they have to use. Right. I waived it. It's like, I don't want a penny. You can keep the 100% of what you build. All I ask is I want your best. I get to handpick your best speech therapist. So that's what we do. We get the best speech therapist that comes in there. So there's three benefits. The kid if doesn't get uprooted and bring somewhere else. Now the parents don't have to drive somewhere and take them twice a week to go somewhere else just to get that 15 minutes in because the first 15 minutes fidgety. Um, if the time session is not good, they move on to child B. And when he's good at 12, they move back to him. And not just that. The speech therapist and the ABA therapist are both there. So you're not getting one-on-one. You get one-on-two, and they collaborate with each other. So now when they're getting ABA therapy, they're also reaffirming the speech therapy stuff that they learn again. So those are things that I've done because other people are greedy. They think, I'm going to get that 40%. I'm going to get I'm like, no, I don't care for it. Just give me the quality. You can have it. Right. So that's kind of how we did our stuff. I just did it all based on that. you know. And parents heard about it. And there's so many things that I've done. I just did it first for the kids and parents. So you're right. basically doing it like in the Apple format, right? Where like Apple does not, you know, they do not deal with low quality stuff. Or at least what they would consider to be on a substandard, I mean sub-Apple standards. I, and I know this, and because I, I, uh, my brother Alvaro, he works for Apple. He always talks about like these certain regimens that they have to run through to make sure that the employees feel like they're, like they, like they are, Absolutely, like like they're high quality employees. So, so each one of you them are feels you hit great. the nail, the hammer, the nail, nail the hammer, nail right? The head. So, yeah, that's it, <laughs> right? And so, um, so I actually looked up Apple. I looked at other companies and I try to follow some of their stuff. That's one of it, right? Exactly what you said. The employees that we hire, which is part of a team, the quality that's required for that, all that's required is a high school diploma and 40 credit hours. Not for the main ones, but for the regular therapist. Mm-hmm. I was flabbergasted because these are the kids with your, these are the, well, I call them kids, but the, the therapist with your kids one-on-one. How can they be with your kids all the time and that's all they have? Yeah, right. I, I thought the teachers had to have ma- uh, and these bachelors. Aren't, and these aren't teachers. That's the they're thing. Not teachers, they're not. Yeah. They're just, they're RBT, Registered Behavioral Therapist. It's ridiculous. I obliterated that. I said, to hell with that. Right. So I flew to California. Uh, not California. I flew to Colorado. Colorado is where the BAC board is held. Barbara, who's the, the chairman. Those are things I do. I want it done. I'm just going to go there. So I had a meeting. I flew with her. And I said, look, uh, Miss Barbara, with all due respect, why is the quality so low? In the nicest way. Mm-hmm. I was just a parent. I didn't say I was a physician. I didn't say anything. I was just a parent. She goes, I completely agree with you. And I was like, what? I'm like, well, then why is the quality set so low? She goes, well. We're a national board. If we go up too quickly, who's going to teach it? That's when it dawned on me. I'm like, well, no one. So that's why all the quality is so low. That's when I decided to open up my own. So that's what I did. My therapists are different. Remember, that's all that's required. My therapist, 92% are all college graduates and graduate with 3.5 or higher. There's 8% that don't because two of them, one has eight years experience, one has six years experience. I'm not going to make that 35-year-old go back to school or something like that. And so – I have to pay them more, so I have to pay higher quality, which I'm profiting less, but the quality is so significantly higher than everyone else. So people know. People heard about it. If you look at our reviews, not just reviews with what we have um, among um, the parents, in the hiring part, we have a perfect review too. Because even people who leave us, like one person just left us now, I don't worry about it. I'm like, Miss Whitney, I'm happy for you. 
good luck and everything. And I really mean that. I want my team to be there only if they want to be there. If they have something to come up better, I want them to leave. Of course. And, and that's how I want it. And so we really do follow certain things. Like we follow, it's like I, we work so hard at HR. So many things I've learned. Like I used to be, I learned so much from jujitsu. I knew going to jujitsu, I have to be humble. I'm a white belt. I'm an old guy. I'm going to have to learn from a bunch of young people who are better <laughs> than me. So, like, I'm going to suck it up. And, and I did. But that transgressed into Hello Autism Clinic, and I started to be nicer to my team, too. I learned, like, hey, I don't have to be this way. And so it, it really helped me humble. So you're saying that you have a you have a building. It's not just, like, at your house. Like how right, it was right. Like it was at his house. Too. Yeah. You started off. Right. You. You, had a, you took a lot of risks in your life, you know. You yeah, know. and that's I do. That's me. It's I that's, just know. That's just I just I'm so lucky. I'm just I just feel I'm so lucky well, that things are gonna work out. I mean, and that's why some people hate me, and they do. I hate you. Like, no, I don't. I'm <laughs> but but, 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 wow, some, people, but <laughs> some people generally do. Like I have. What would you say? I have enemies for no reason. It's just because I used to not be as humble, mm. you know, stuff like that. Because I was just. <clears throat> Confident, it's good, but the overconfidence, it's kind of annoying, you know what right. I'm saying? An inflated and inflated so, ego is not fun for it. Exactly, and so that's the thing is, I, it's just, that's just it. It's just, and I, I understand that, what people feel that way. And so I keep it in check, you know, and, and that's actually one thing I try to tell Michelle. If I ever out of check, just keep me humble, you know. And so, but She's like, well, now that we're talking, I got a couple of backlogs to go through. No, I just, I honestly, I'm lucky. It's, I like to help. I, it's fun helping people. Nice. But then that's, but the, the the bad part is I got to help in the sense where I know I'm not getting taken advantage of. Because I do get taken advantage of something. And half the time I know I am, you know. <laughs> oh, but, man, that's worse. Yeah, and I know it. And it's just, I give them the benefit of the doubt. And so yeah. I, I try, I do a couple more times. And like, I know I am. Like, you know, it's just, it's not that big of a sweat for me. And they still get some help. So I'm like, whatever. You know, so I do yeah. know that happens. Because well. at the end of the day, it's all about helping the child. You know? Yeah. Like, it's not their fault. Yeah. And, and I don't just mean with that community. I just mean in general. In general? Yeah, because, yeah. People oh, are like, yeah. well, you're successful. You, I mean, you can put the bill, right? Like, yeah. You got this. Pretty much. Pretty much. So you, I get that. I get that. Sometimes. M- not everybody's like that. Majority aren't. But, you know, you get that sometimes. You know, and, and I actually don't feel that's it because I always get better for a doubt. Like, not the fake guy. Like, I really think, no, nah, no, nah, that's not that. You know, until I really know that I'm like, okay, I have to sever ties with this person a little bit, you know, <laughs> or be cool with them, but n- not that way. Not know? too cool. Yeah. Not too cool. <laughs> that's the kind of person that you're like, ooh, all right. I guess but I was, but you know, it's, I we spoke about this, but that's not how I grew up. Um, I grew up, and I'm not going to go on and on because this could go on. You grew up in Vietnam, right? I, I was born in Vietnam. You're right. Okay. Absolutely. What? How could we have been talking for such a long time it's and been we a have long not time. mentioned Vietnam so at all? Now, Vietnam, I don't know, yeah. right? Because I left. But Vietnam, that's kind of why I got really lucky that we grew up poor. It, it, And that's the, how my mindset is. It really is. I think that is lucky. <laughs> if I grew up wealthy, I would have been a total asshole. Right. I swear to God. What's wrong with that? No. <laughs> you don't want to be that, right? And so, but in Vietnam, we were well-to-do. My dad was, um, he was the governor of a province. And then he, he was very virtuous. He was hired to governor of another province. And he had like three houses. We had nannies and all that stuff. My mom was a model. 
and and we I can tell we didn't do yeah dude <laughs> that, that not that definitely the yeah, pompadour yeah. does not lie that, <laughs> this mother <laughs> no but but coming to America we started over uh, we was completely over and my so, dad wouldn't take food stamps he wouldn't take anything so we grew up dirt poor he he had a you know he was in politics so he had a, like a law degree I think he had one. Um, but it wasn't transferable to the United States. Mm-mm. But the one that was was sociology. So he came with sociology, making 19k a year with six kids. Oh, that's what we were living on, 19k, you know. And so, um, so I knew, goddamn, if I don't make money for myself, ain't nobody gonna help me out, my family. <laughs> and so I, so I bust. I yeah, I had business when I was in middle school. Just I had a good business. I think I was making close to what my dad was making middle school. Did did he? Uh, what did you do? Crazy. Yeah. So, so I had two businesses. One was a lawn mowing service. Okay. Uh, so I was 11 or 12. I just mowed someone's lawn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, to heck with this. Hey, John, you want to do it? I'll pay you half. I had like, fif- not 15, um, six or seven lawn mowers wow. and stuff like that. And all my friends were cutting lawns for me. I didn't cut anything <laughs> and stuff like that. And wow. they were paying us because they want these 12-year-olds to cut grass. Like, oh, it's so yeah, cute. Yeah, of course. And so I, I was cutting my and own you were exploiting line. this 12-year-old. Hell yeah. They were <laughs> making But you know what's crazy? Because right now, lawn service for houses are like 20, 25 bucks. Yeah. Back then, we were, I was getting paid 20 bucks. Yeah, that And that was 1979. That's eight. expensive, bro. Dude, it was 20 bucks. Inflation never went. Like, these people deserve more money now. Oh, yeah, you for know? sure. It's like, what the hell, 25 bucks now? I was getting 20, you know? But the best deal I ever made was middle school. Oh, my God. Fizz Whiz Popping Candy. You ever heard of that? So, no. you know the candy you put in your mouth that pops? The Pop Rocks? Yes, yeah. Pop, Pop Rocks. Rocks. Yeah. So, back then, the brand was called Fizz Whiz Popping Candy. So, my dad had, you know, coming here, started over, you know, all the Asians, they have a liquor store or a convenience store and all that mess. And so, we had one of those, right? So, he worked in that. So, he had, he had a, a deal to Sam's Grocery. Mm-hmm. And I brought it, and I was selling them. So, I I was selling for fifty cents a pack. Um, I bought it for seven cents a pack. So <laughs> I like, oh my god, this is good money. So my bus route went there. It only allowed me six minutes to sell before school started. So I literally walked to school. I walked for fifty minutes to school uh-huh. so I could sell more. Right? I was making probably a hundred to two hundred bucks a day wow. on those ca- popping candies and stuff like that. Yeah, I was making about two to three thousand a month. Stuff like that. Was that a month or a week? And that was in the seventies. That was I was in seventh grade, so however old I was, I don't know. Yeah, probably eighty something. So I was in seventh. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money now. Yeah, I was making that. I think more than my dad, and um, and so, I and the principal, principal called me to the thing, and I was very, um, I was a good kid. You know, straight in middle school. Who cares, right? That's easy. So I was that, but. But I also, yeah, I, I, Vietnamese bad a lot, so I played around a lot. I was always a good kid, but a bad kid, right? <laughs> um, so he's like, Steve, you can't be selling this on our property. I go, Why can't I? What about Boy Scout and Girl Scout? That's what they sell. Well, it's for nonprofit. Okay, what do you want me to pop? What do you want me to donate to? I'll donate. So that's how I did. So he let what? me sell. I'm like, you have a gym? I donate. I donate ten percent of my proceeds to your gym that you're gonna build. For the school, yeah. Bro, you so that's wow. what I did. Wow. So you were you just buy the so seventh grader financing so that's a what school. I did. And so I mean, I obviously didn't pay for the gym, but yeah. I literally gave him three hundred bucks, two hundred bucks every month. Wow. So, yeah, so you're that. basically so, bribing so, the yeah. principal. So I'm that's like, hey, 
if it's non-profit, is it for profit or not? Why can't I have? That's not right. There's probably a 501c3 back then, but he didn't know about it. <laughs> he just wanted the cut, bro. Just yeah, he wanted his piece. He wanted the cut. He oh. wanted his piece. It so, was like, it's like the mob. You got to pay your cut to crazy? the mob. So that's what he did. Um, so that's how we got that's it. A, sounds the, like that's a weird dynamic, isn't it? I'm telling you, my life is crazy. It's just we do. I just, I just, I just do it. Yeah, hey, I mean, just, five or six successful businesses there. But the yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were a business person from the beginning. But I never, I never thought I was. That's what you, I never thought. thought I just were. did that because I needed money to to play. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I used it all. I never had any money left. <laughs> 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 How did you get introduced to jujitsu? Okay, so jujitsu. Back in 19, when it first started, UFC won. I wanted to do oh, it. I was already in martial arts. Um, and I was good back then. Cause, you know, what were you doing back then? So, yeah, you're not going to know it because it's like a La weird France. one. Tukomusu is a ninjutsu, right? So we do the pretty kicks and all that stuff. Okay. They hire us for, for New Year's date to do all this. And I was good at all the flying kicking stuff. <laughs> we thought it was real back then. And then I saw UFC. I'm like, I don't know. This is real, right? <laughs> stuff like that, you know. Like I can kick it, but we don't. We don't spar for real. So how are you gonna really know? But they made it so real. They're like, we practice gun, bow and arrow, knife. We practice everything. My best weapon at first was a nunchuck, which is the dumbest one. Like where the hell am I gonna get to find a nunchuck in the street? So I switched. I I came to realization. So I switched to the staff because I'm like, okay, I can find a stick. Right, <laughs> something like that. But bro, you should have gone with even further and just gone. Uh, what's it called, Jason Bourne style? Just get a newspaper. Machete. Oh yeah, you put a it together. The, it started the with the newspaper. newspaper. Yeah, but UFC. And so here's the thing. I don't wish I would have done it then because it would have been different. But back, I went to California and I saw I saw in Torrance, California stuff like they have Gracie because all you knew is Gracie back then. Of course. So when I went to California in 1997, I'm like, I'm gonna. I was thinking about joining that, but but. I ended up, my studies took too much time. Mm. Well, actually, it wasn't that. Snowboard took too much time. We snowboard every freaking week. Snowboarding in California? <laughs> oh, yeah. So in California, it was only two and a half hour drive. We were in Northern California. Okay. It was only two and a half hour drive to Tahoe. Oh. Michelle and I, we're not the normal people. I had, we had, she had a BMW M3. I had a Ducati motorcycle. We used <laughs> our school money. We just bought stuff, right? <laughs> and so we just lived life. I went. I mean, it's crazy stories. I went to Tahoe every weekend when there was snow. Probably, like, like people in school studying for the weekend, we never did that. We just went Tahoe. And that time, I didn't know how to play poker or anything. And I didn't care about gambling. But I saw in California and stuff, they had, I did the dumbest system. I, I'm going to tell you real briefly, it was the dumbest system ever. But it worked out for me because I'm lucky. So I would double down every bet in blackjack until I won. <sighs> Right, and so it's the dumbest system because I know the math to it now. So basically, here's my my formula. It's so stupid, uh, <laughs> um, and so I would, but I was I had the balls. People can't do it because they don't have the balls, and that's what I mean. So I would bring thirty thousand bucks because we that's how much school money gave us, and Michelle's family had money, so she probably had like ten thousand. Mm-hmm. So we bring thirty forty thousand bucks. I literally bet five dollars on on blackjack, just five bucks. Um, if I win, that's it. I bet five bucks again. I win. So I figure I get 20 hands an hour. If I win 10 hands, half of them, I'll profit 100 bucks an hour. I get 100 bucks an hour. I get to snowboard for free. Perfect. That's all I wanted to do. I would do that. But if I lose, here's the catch. If you lose, you got to bet 10 bucks. Because you got mm. to cover your loss. Right. And prof- but you want to profit. Yeah. Like if I just win one out of those two hands, I'm profiting five bucks. If I lose, I got to bet 20. Then I got a bit 40. Then I got a bit 80. Then I get at 160, 320, 640, 
1280 2500 5200 so i had to do that once so i'm like shit if i lose 10 in a row i deserve to lose right <laughs> so 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 i would play for 21 times we win every weekend every weekend we'd win we'd win about average of 2000 bucks a weekend right so every time we go we win 2000 win 2000 win 2000 cuz but the thing is it's scary cuz i would literally cuz that's not real math the real math cuz you think okay you if you have five coin flips you just need to get one heads what is the math in that right so let's say it's 50% to make it easy math 50% chance of winning of heads 50-50 what's your chance of winning one out of two times you just have to win one out of two times is 1 minus 0.5 to the second power so what that is is 0.5 times 0.5 is 0.25 right so you have a 25% chance of losing both times 1 minus 0.25 is 75 so you have a 75% chance of just winning one out of two. Right. So you have an 85% chance of winning one out of three and so forth. So just out of 10 times, you have a 99.998% chance of winning. If you go 10 times, just getting one hit, you have a really high chance. So you're like, I have a 99% chance of not losing 10 in a row. I'm never going to lose 10 in a row. But that's not true. The real math is that equation I gave you, Times that equation times that equation. Mm. So if you go 0. 0.99 times 0. 0.99 times 0. 0.99 every time you play, it goes out to be 0. 0.98, 0. 0.97. So the point is, eventually you're gonna hit and lose ten in a row. If you walk around the casino, you will see ten reds in a row almost every day because you'll hit ten evens or ten odds. It happens all the time. I just so lucky that I won twenty one times in a row. So we made like forty seven, forty eight thousand bucks. Wow! And then one time I played in twenty minutes, I lost all. Uh, I already bought twenty five thousand. I lost all twenty five thousand in twenty minutes. I was so sad because we Jeez. used all our money. So uh, you were sad. <laughs> right. Okay, so so you would bring with you thirty thousand dollars in cash, mm -hmm. and you would only bet five bucks five bucks at a time. Right. What the fuck? I mean, he was <laughs> he was hoping to lose. So so here's the thing. He but but here, here's here's where it gets real. So the table limits for blackjack, right? It could be baccarat. It could be any 50-50% type of game you play, right? You, you pick black, red, whatever. Well, if you play a $5 table, the limit for that table is only 500 bucks. You're not going to give you that 5 bucks to 20000 So I literally have to take that money, and I already lost seven in a row, and move to a brand new table and bet 2000 or something. And, and it's, I'm, I'm scared, but I wasn't scared. I was so confident I'm going to win one out of ten. That's how I bet. I'm like, meh, I lost. Everyone's like, this guy is not afraid of anything. But it is scary. When you have to bet five thousand bucks, and you know that five thousand, yes, you lost seven times in a row. It's really just fifty-fifty. You're bound to win, but you you could lose fifty-fifty, right? Right. And it yeah. sure enough, it happened. It and just so lost. happens that I lost all that money, but I had one more ahead of time. You know, but when I lost it, the reality is I lost all my money. Like you know, the year or two year before that, you won forty, fifty k. You use it. Right. You use that twenty thousand. You only get the twenty-five left, which you just lost in twenty minutes. So I had to go up to Michelle. But see, Michelle, she's rock solid. She's like, what? I mean, she was mad and sad. That's funny, because like, that noise that you made definitely sounds like a Michelle noise. But that's how she was. She can handle she, that. She's like, well, fuck, we took the risk. Now we got to take it, you know? And so, Bend over, boys. Yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah, life is crazy. Life <laughs> is crazy, man. You've lived a very, very crazy life, very risky life. It's awesome. Nah, it's but it's more fun because Michelle is there, right? Oh, Always absolutely. Living on the edge. <laughs> no, man, she's, she's, yeah, she's everything. 
I mean, that sounds lame to keep saying no, that. No, it does not no, sound lame. It's not lame. That's I mean, cute. Well, when I, before I went to California, I had no intentions of meeting anyone because I was single. I was about to go to California, and I wanted to go to this. I chose purposely because... Huh. Um, Man, she's not going to like me for saying this. Okay, but I, I chose Berkeley because they're smart kids. And I like Asians. And they're 40% Asians. Ah, like, there you so go. I got <laughs> really? Do you think that the stat still holds? Because I heard that they're it doing may this not thing with anymore. Asians where they're like keeping them outside of schools because <laughs> Asians are too smart. Yeah, I don't know if it's like that anymore. But but and that's not my family. My family my family's a melting pot. I'm one of the few ones who's sticking with Asians. Like my family, nobody's married. Like we have... We have Spanish blood, German blood. Uh, we have, we have all sorts. You know, I mean. But you were like, no, nah, I gotta keep it pure. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle is probably the she's the first Vietnamese person I ever dated. Really? Wow. Oh, the second, the second. Oh, the second. My okay. first girlfriend ever, and my last was Vietnamese. But everyone in between were not Vietnamese. I did not want to. I didn't care to date Vietnamese. Really? Yeah. Was there just something like oh, I don't want? No, I just I think it. in college I just wanted to try stuff. Just oh, like honestly, yeah. that's crazy. I, I've always planned the kind of girls that I've always wanted to be. <laughs> Janet, what, what do you think about that? Girls with glasses. Girls with glasses. <laughs> and I have, I thought it was just because I wore glasses, but no, I fit the mold. <laughs> she just happens to fit the mold pretty well, you know? Smarter than me, that's something that I wanted, or at least appear to have a hold on reality more than I do. Because that allows me just to do my own thing, you know what I mean? I don't have to deal with stuff. <laughs> what is this? Bills? <laughs> you deal with the bills. Man, bills. <laughs> I I'm joking. You guys you guys are definitely I don't know where you guys are in your life. No, so I don't like to preach anything, but I know I've been there. I mean I struggle with money forever. Yeah. Right? I mean you guys are younger, so you're not gonna be super wealthy just because of the age, right? But I'm pretty sure you guys are further than where I was. I mean, I was in bills forever. What got you like out of the hole? Oh man, honestly, as funny as it sound, yeah, and Michelle would like to hear this. Leaving poker, mm-hmm. right? Poker made me so much money, but you have to win twice. You gotta beat them, then you gotta collect. <laughs> you know, like, dude, you. I got people owe me four figures, five figures, six figures, Jeez. and I can't collect. You know, and so you just like, ugh. Forget it, right? And do you do you pay whenever you? Yeah, win? that's the thing. You have to pay everybody who wins. So at the end of the night, you know, let's say there's forty k you gotta pay out, right? That would be a typical game. Forty k you gotta pay out. Two thousand winner, three thousand winner, five thousand winner, and then five big loser, one big ten dollar loser, blah blah blah. Well, you just gotta pay. You don't have to pay that night. You meet them for that week and you pay, and then you try to collect from the losers. Sometimes they run. Right. And the thing is, they don't they don't bond with each other. It's not like. You run a house, and you know everyone else who runs the house. They're like, oh, well, now he's banned. He can't play. They're like, no, nah, John is a nuts. He's the worst player ever. He's so much action. Everybody's going to come to our game. John, we don't care if you owe anyone money. Come play with us. We'll let you play. <laughs> that's how they do it. It's like, well, but we know your money's not good. Can you bring cash today? <laughs> so that's how it is. So so they will get. They don't get credit, but they just bring cash. Mm-hmm. And then that's just no honor among thieves, I guess, right? It's of sort course. of like that. Yeah, that's kind of how they did. Now, so, would you say? Uh, wait, did you have a question? No, yeah. so you're just saying getting out of poker is kind of what got that, you. That out. honestly was the best thing because I could be. I had my energy. Getting out of poker and then jujitsu. Um, you asked me when I wanted forever, but I knew I could never do it unless I gave a hundred percent because I didn't want to suck at it. Right. I never had the time because the next thing I chose was poker. I had a choice between golf and poker. Uh, golf, yeah, I mean, 
it's just that's how humble if I keep saying this type of stuff. But but golf, this guy's really good. I just wanted to beat him. It was just for dinner, right? And so he said he was he was he got a scholarship at University of San Diego. So he's good, but he gave me strokes. So it wasn't like I had to play him head match, right? So mm-hmm. in golf, I don't know, y- y'all know golf a little bit? Not really. Not right. so, so in golf. Nobody knows golf, bro. So in golf. You have to have like a certain amount of Ks at the end of so the year. So golf is cool, golf. right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It's, it's not cool if you're betting. Because if you're good, you actually got to give people strokes. Like if you're, like, let's say, right, so you're brown belt. See, it doesn't really work with, with jiu-jitsu because you're brown belt, I'm blue. You can't say and bet because I'm going to lose you 100 out of 100 times. It's not like I'm going to get you one time. So it's not like that. But but it's like like say okay you will fight me with your hands tied back, kind of like that right. Mm-hmm. So or it's, it's like starting in a position. Yeah, like you, yeah, you give you, a handicap. You get, yeah, like hey, I get to have you in side control or something like that. Then maybe I could beat you know. So that would be a better way to explain. Mm-hmm. It. So in golf, he has to give me twelve strokes because he's twelve strokes. So he earned being better, but he has to give twelve strokes. Well, I played him. I practiced. Michelle told me I went crazy. I practiced ninety days in a row because I didn't want to lose. So we took him to Tahoe. And I would get this free comps, right? Because yeah. I played so much blackjack, right? right? Even though I'm not a gambler, it, it sounds like I would be, right? But um, so we would play this nice course. I beat him straight up. Like I've never shot in the 70s. 70 is like a really good score. I, sh- I, I hit so bad with the long club. It's called a driver because my ball was slicing. I put it in the bag, which is what gives you extra sport. And I beat him straight up. But, wow. but the point is uh, when I went back to Houston – my friend was going to teach me golf to get real good or poker. I opted for poker because <laughs> in poker, you can be Tiger Woods, right? Versus someone who's rich, has money, and not good. And you don't have to give them any strokes. Mm. But in golf, you have to give them 30 strokes. Like, I'm Tiger Woods. I'll, I'll, I have to give you 30 strokes. Poker, you just need to play with someone rich. That right. sucks. And when you beat them, you just have to be nice to them. There's there's a there's a cadence and a, a a a thing for everything. I play with two billionaires. I play with. I used to be a really good player where they hired me to play, um, and I couldn't play that game because it's too much money for me. So they hire. It goes okay. You we play whatever we you win, we keep half. Whatever you lose, you don't pay anything. Just keep playing because we know you're eventually gonna win it. So I used to play those games, right? And but when you beat those guys, you're like, ah, oh, Bill. I would have done the same thing. That's a good move. Bill Gates. Unlucky. <laughs> well, no, not, not Bill Gates. That's a little right? <laughs> <laughs> How were you able to develop the poker game? Yeah, it was just, but poker, I thought you could just play a big game. You can't. It really is sequential. Really? You got to play the small one and then build away. Because you, if you play and you get afraid of money, you can't play. All right, that's it. I'm yeah. downloading the poker app. <laughs> and so so when did you know it was time? Like, Because you said... You wanted to do jujitsu when you were going to be all right. in on it. When so I never finished my point, right? And so <laughs> when I knew it was time, it was this. is When I walked away from poker, I said, I can't get this this bad, you know, playing all night and all that stuff out of the way. So I just chose autism first. That was the first clean thing I did. Right. Is I said, I'm going to do something for Hayden, blah, 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 and the other families. And then that did well. When it, I knew that it would succeed, even though we weren't really profiting, I'm like, it's set. Everything's gonna blow up now. It's, it's all everything's set. I've already laid the groundwork. I put in extra two years that I didn't have to. So 2017, at the end, I'm like, okay, I got, I need time for me. That's the first time I did something without Michelle, because she didn't care for that, right? And I said, sorry, honey, I'm gonna do jujitsu. 
I don't care if you like it or not. I have to choose for me. I've been wanting this forever, and so I did it. And so that's that's what I started. That's pretty much it. Now I didn't do it for the first four months. I just did because Professor Paul gave a deal. <laughs> in December <laughs> he gave a deal for one sixty five instead of the two hundred back in two thousand seventeen. He goes, so I just signed up. I didn't go for like I went like maybe twice a month for the first three or four months. Yeah. Because I because he gave that deal. Yeah. And then after a Vietnam trip that I went. Um, I'm like, wow, my staff can actually handle it without me. That's when I started going to jiu a lot. Okay. So, yeah. Now you're just full-blown addicts. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm like you guys. I'm like you guys. Yeah, <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. Totally done it. <laughs> all right, so. All right, one final question. All right, so during, it seems like like your, like your journey has had a lot of like, a lot of different pit stops, a lot of different ups and downs. Um, was there any a time where you were like worried or, or something? Yeah, no. And, and if so, and if so, and I'll make sure you answer this one, <laughs> all right? <laughs> if you were worried, what did you do to get out of it? Okay, you know, this so this, I, I don't think I've told you guys or anyone, but I'm, I'm happy to say because this is what made me too. So it sounds like everything peaches and cream is not like that, right? We grew up very humble. I mean, I swear... I'll answer two parts. First part is when we were young. It's, man, we didn't have, like, I was eating Raymond noodles for dinner every night for years. That's all we had to eat. We, we weren't, yeah, I mean, we, we weren't, we had no money. You know, like, probably why I could probably be a couple inches taller or something, right? But, um, <laughs> bro, look, you're Asian. You're, but, you're pretty much as tall as you can but, be. But that's, that's that, that, um, but the second, and yeah, I mean, my, right down the street, Fuqua, right here, KFC, you don't know, but Walgreens is right there. Mm-hmm. That was, used to be KFC. That was my jams because my my brother worked there, my sister worked there, my <laughs> other and at the end at eleven they would have food and we, that's what we would eat for dinner. Wow. Yeah, because they don't throw away the food. They might cook extra because there was a manager, so we had extra food and that's what we would eat. So that's how I got my protein because we we didn't have any money, right? Um, and and yeah, we lived in it was kind of like the Brady Bunch. We had three guys, three girls. We all had the little bitty room. A three bedroom, and, and it was it was probably my favorite time in my life, you know. So those are the times you remember. And then even with that, it, it got worse. So my dad got laid off. He works for a huge tool company. This is before he got his store stuff. We moved to which was the thing that I messed up, and this is a tangent. But we moved to Park Place. So we moved to basically the projects. In my prime, I'm like I went to Beverly Hill, Thompson, like right around here, these schools here, and I'm about to go to Dolby, meeting all my friends. I'm so excited. You know, I was good in school, good in sports. I had to go to Milby. I'm like, fuck, I don't, I don't know anybody, Jeez. right? So I went there. But those are things that built character for me. When I went there, I'm like, I can't have this academics. I want to go to Harvard. What the fuck, right? And so I went to the principal. That's just me. I need something better. What do you have here? That's kind of what I did. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sort of not afraid of that stuff, right? Yeah. He goes, well, we have a magnet program. I go, what's a magnet program? So. So I, I did that, and I got in the magnet program. That's the best thing ever. I would put my son in any magnet program. Even today, um, what's, what's that blue belt 16-year-old kid? He's, he's Bolivar? No, Bolivar's good in jiu-jitsu. The other one, he's young. He might be 17. He's the real tall. He's real tall. Yeah, goes to our place. He has the twins. The twins who went to UT and A&M. Yeah, I know who you're talking right? about. So he, he just come came back to us. He, he goes there. Dude. He just went to Yale for a summer program. He's about to go to Oxford for a summer program. Wow. That's how good the magnet program is. It's not even that hard. 
it's not that hard. They, but the other universities don't know that it's not that hard. So they give this high acclaim to it. He's doing this NASA program that I did back in 1987. I, I used to stay at NASA for three days. They took me to an aerospace thing. I, I slept there. It's the shit. And it's not that hard. So I actually would put my son in a magnet program. And so, damn, I don't know how I got there. But, 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 but be, being humble, yeah. we grew up really poor and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And then, so anyway, I'm a fast forward. So that's, that's how we grew up and stuff like that. The other one that I'll tell you is no, um, in towards high school. So I was at Milby and I was such a good kid. I was straight A. I, sh- I would have been valedictorian, but my dumb ass left. Because we moved back. So my parents did better, and we moved back. And they said, you can stay a magnet program. You can stay. We'll, we'll even give you transportation. I said, no, I miss my friends. I want to go back. Oh. Right? Oh. And so when I went back to Dolby, it doesn't, I mean, Dolby is still okay school. Went back there, but this is where I fucked up. They said, oh, you, you're number one. Now you're ranked number 47. I'm like, I'm ranked 47 because they, I had straight A's, but they only had two honors courses they allow at Magnet. It's just a different program, so I have a 4.33 GPA. But Adobe, my friend, who's my roommate in college later, has a 4.72 GPA. I'm like, how the hell am I going to tell with a 4.72? So I'm immediately ranked number 40-something. But had I known to keep making straight A's there, they still would have accounted for that. They would have like, okay, he only finished 12, but it's because he moved school, not because he got B's. You know? right. So I didn't know that. And But anyway... It's like, I don't know what to do. But that's such a good story in the sense where, like, you you now have, like, all of this. You, not only are you helping, you're helping out your community. You're, you're helping out a community of people that doesn't really speak for themselves. Like, like the autism spectrum of, uh, of, of like, I, I at one point, people didn't even understand what autism was. Like, right. Like, which shows kind of starting to get it. And there's still a big taboo, too. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's it's really good to know that there's people like yourself out there, you know, actually trying to figure it out. You know, you're just trying to see what works best. And obviously, you know, based on the stories that you told us, it's, it's working pretty well. It looks like things are getting in that realm. Yeah. So, there's like. so much to still learn. And, but, but it's so, that's that's what's cool, right? So, you, you know, you're, you were a person who you at one point you could have just turned left rather than right and then you would have had a completely different story you know where like things just kept on going down but you can see that it can change things yeah. can change and you can always be oh, better absolutely yeah if anything anyone can learn from me it's not much but the, <coughs> the main thing i say is it's never that bad things are never that bad you can always change it it's mindset is everything yeah. um yeah, it's but you're lucky, right? That was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. Anyways, does anybody have any closing thoughts? Janet. Well, I would have never pegged you for the for like a poker player. Like a number eight <laughs> in the world. Yeah, it was crazy when I saw that. I didn't know it was. And then we looked it up. <laughs> and I tried to save it one day. Dude, it's gone. you know, tell remind me later, we're gonna write down your story and actually make a script. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's fun. I mean my life is fun. I it's not over. So I, I just want there's so much fun I want to have there's just so many things I can still do and definitely jujitsu with the health you know yeah. it gave me more years I was smoking a pack a day duh that's yeah. nasty I mean <laughs> you look like in such great shape from the I remember when I first saw you compared yeah. to now you're it, it's such a yeah it's such a difference well the, what I saw I mean you know not everybody's like all of us right I saw I get to train and do extra 
workouts with Professor Pablo, who's like world class. I'm like, why am I not doing Taking this? Taking advantage of it. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I'm going and I'm not missing and I'm gonna make sure. So I I made sure I went. Yeah. You know, and so and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just you know he's he's more he has a different mindset. I understand his thing. You know, the the, the funny thing is. He still has a lot to learn, you know. I mean, it's weird to say that about my my professor, you know. And I try to give it to him as gracefully as possible. Whenever, and I don't want to wear different yeah. hats all the time. I mean, it's know? the kind of thing where, like, you don't want to judge a tree uh, like a like a fish for its way of climbing trees. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's not what you do. <laughs> you you judge a fish when it's swimming. And you don't judge me for saying that saying wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has he actually. He has so many gifts. Like, there's so many business things that he actually does well right. that I didn't know a 30-something-year-old could know that well that soon without having business. So he does a lot of things right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, too. It's it's so easy to nitpick on the things that they think they can do better until you're there. It's like so many decisions are so solid. Right. You know, exactly. There are things that can be better. Successful and, for a yeah. reason. All right. Yeah. And close. Just to keep us on the same boat, we were doing closing <laughs> remarks. <laughs> Yeah. Steve, again, tell me what your closing remark is. Actually, you know what? I'll start off with Anthony and Marie, and then we can end with you, Steve. <laughs> I actually don't have any, any closing remarks other than just, you know, thank you, Steve, for being who you are. I have a brother who who's on the autism spectrum, and seeing the work you do, it, it's it's very inspiring, and, you know, it it's, uh, hel- helps me be a little bit more comfortable in the world we're living in. Thank you. Um, I would just like to say... That Miguel, we should definitely get Michelle on because I love Michelle and see so love Michelle. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I I mentioned my I asked you that question because I know like how impactful like you are towards other people. But I know that there's always a driving force within yourself and right. within the people that you surround yourself Absolutely. with. So I just think that was very beautiful. And like I'm really happy that I got to be a part of this podcast and that you're here and you're sharing your story with us. Thank so. you. Thank you. you know, I, what I really want to happen is that I want Michelle to be here and not mention you. I bet that Michelle has like a completely different story to tell that oh, doesn't I, involve I, oh. Steve. <laughs> I bet. I, I actually Steve's think stories so. In, I actually think so. Michelle. <laughs> Michelle's not going to have any of her stories. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And, well, for me in close, I, w- I want to thank you guys for having me. It's just cool. fun. And, and yeah, I, I love to talk. And so <laughs> I appreciate you having thank me. Thank you for coming and talking with us. This is the perfect yeah. medium for you. Yes. I, it was probably boring as shit, but it was fun to talk. We'll let <laughs> no. the crowd figure that out. All right? All no, right. It's fun. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys all right, great. everybody. This has fun. been the Savages of Scholars. Janet, did you say your closing remark? Yes, you did. Right before Steve's tangent. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, please rate us on uh, Apple. Apple uh, iTunes podcast. Apple's iTunes podcast. And now we have, uh, we're going to be uploading regularly on YouTube. It's happening this week. You're going to see this podcast on it first. All right, guys. Love you. See you later. Thank you. Bye.